Welcome aboard Flight 1969, service to Jet Nation Radio. Look at what a leader this guy is. Both is fighting for his job this year. This is what quarterbacks are made of. Doug Middleton, get a 50-yard onside kick. How stupid can you possibly be making that much money? Folks, grab a snack. Let's go to eat a goddamn snack. And join Joe Blewett and Glenn Naughton for Jet Nation Radio. And good evening, New York Jets fans. I apologize for the delayed show this week. Uh, Joe, as many of you know, those of our regular listeners, Joe is currently in the police academy. So he's uh, he's got a little bit of a hectic schedule. So it's going to be a little bit touch and go. We may have to try to work out some weekend shows. I may be going solo or going along with, uh, with some friends of the show who will be joining me to co-host. We have a few people lined up, so moving forward, we'll find a way to make it work while Joe gets his his uh, his police academy stuff taken care of. But uh, as they say, the show must go on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully as few as possible without Joe. But uh, NFL Combine is in a few days, people. NFL Combine at Indy getting ready to kick off in a few days. Some of the best players in the country will be uh, will be headed out to Indy to show what they can do. A lot of GMs, scouts, I mean, all GMs, all scouts are going to be on hand. They're going to be, you know, everyone talks about the 40 because it's exciting and it's the sexy event, but uh, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of folks who follow closely enough, if you listen to what scouts say and either current, former guys who have been there, guys who have done it, um, the key to this process, the biggest part of the process for them is is that interview, is that getting a couple of hours one-on-one with a particular player, and of course the medical checks and see how these guys check out. If they don't, of course they'll they'll return to India at a later date to to wrap up any uh anything that's inconclusive during the combine itself. But every year, you know, for us diehards who tune in and, and watch and see what's going on and who's going where, it's uh it's an exciting time and there's a lot there's a whole lot of uh whole lot of speculation, who's rising, who's falling. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's legitimate. A lot of times it's just a smoke screen. More often than not, let's face it, it's folks in the media guessing uh, that, you know, you do have a handful of people who actually have the inside access that they claim to have. Others just like to say that they have it. And, you know, again, you just throw a bunch of stuff out there, see what sticks. When uh, when all is said and done, people like to point out the stuff they got right, and they just kind of hope the stuff they got wrong will go away. You know, human nature. It's what people do. But anyway talking about the combine right there's clearly going to be a lot of players a lot a lot of players with questions to be answered but there you know there's always that handful of guys you know where it's you know one or two or three guys that are gonna that are gonna have to really undo some damage they may have done to themselves during the season or during their college careers or guys who played in situations where maybe Maybe they're get, the scouts are trying to give them the benefit of the doubt for not performing, and maybe see you know how they do, you know either you take their senior bowl and kind of combine that with what they do with the combine, what they do in interviews. Teams are going to look for things like you know is, is a player who failed is is he passing it off is he blaming coaches is he accepting responsibility, leadership items like that. But I think a few guys we can go we can talk about right off the bat, probably the probably the biggest names with the most approve. Um, Arden Key, Arden Key, defensive, uh, defensive, well, outside linebacker, defensive end, depending on where you're going to line him up, uh, from LSU. You know, here's a guy who is regarded as a probably a you know top ten talent, um, most certainly a top fifteen talent by most evaluators, most onlookers. But uh, Arden Key's had a lot of off-field issues. He's had he's had quite a few disciplinary things uh, come up off the field. And then there's the fact that he apparently, as of as of late, has put on a little bit more weight than teams would like to see. You know, so he's he's got a couple of red flags. 
he's going to go through he's going to go through the process like everybody else, but people are going to be watching him a little bit closer because again, if his character you know if, if his character concerns do lead him to fall, you're putting yourself in a position where you can maybe get an elite pass rusher early in the second round. Um, you know I've seen some people say he could fall you know to the sort of the middle middle of that second round because. Teams don't want to spend a, a lot of draft capital. You think of Noah Spence a few years ago, you know, a guy who went in the second round who was regarded as first round talent. I believe it was uh I believe he ended up in uh Tampa Bay. So guys fall, you know, Randy Gregory, look how much he fell. I mean he had multiple positive drug tests and you saw how that worked out. He I don't think he's seen the field yet. So he you know, that that's one guy, Arden Key, that people are gonna be keeping a close eye on. Another guy, not 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 uh, from a disciplinary standpoint. And, and Jets fans, this is one the Jets fans have to really pay attention to because, yes, between now and the draft, they're going to be tied to every quarterback on the board at some point by some some expert, some prognosticator. Um, you know, every, everyone's going to be linked to the Jets because, look, they need a quarterback. This is what happens. You know, there are some good ones out there this year, and the Jets need one. But uh, Josh Allen, we've talked about him uh a little bit here on Jet Nation. Uh, I've spoken with uh, Biff Sweeney from uh, No Fly Zone. Him and uh, Rich Tinley do a great job out of Ireland. Uh, he's uh, and I, I said this months ago, and it's you know it's nothing earth shattering. It's, it's something people have said all along that that nobody would have more to gain or lose from their, the Senior Bowl and the Combine than than Josh Allen, and he impressed at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, started off a little bit shaky, came out in the second half, played really well. And you know, play, played kind of at a level and made some throws that that you looked at and you say, okay, that's why this guy is is regarded as a a high you know first round pick. Yeah, I mean, there are still people saying this guy could be the first overall pick to the Cleveland Browns, despite having a, a college completion percentage in the low fifties, fifty three, if I'm not mistaken. So, despite the the poor completion percentage. Teams are giving him again. They're giving him the benefit of the benefit of the doubt because of this offensive line that he played behind, because of the, the you know the lack of quality receivers. And you know from from the few games that I've watched of him, you you do see. I mean, the guy is consistently making throws on the. I mean, we're not talking about rolling out. I mean, we're talking about running for his life, um, and making some throws that are just you know on a rope. And and you can see the things he does, and you can see why he's so intriguing to to pro personnel guys. Uh, I know Mike Mayock, who you know, you know, I had this discussion with Joe briefly. It's almost we're, we're so oversaturated with information. We have so much access to so much information that so many fans really get to the point where they feel like they're on par with or better than um, the Mike Mayocks and the Mel Kuypers of the world. Um, and it's easy to criticize those guys because listen, they put together mock drafts and they put them out for the public to see, and everybody sees them, so everybody can tear them apart. Whereas you know, your average fan. You, you, you bounce the names around in your head. I like this guy. I like that guy. Blah blah blah. And then you know, two three years after the draft, you get to say, "Oh, I didn't like this guy. I didn't like this guy." And you know, as if all your picks were right. You know, as if uh, there was. Uh, and pardon me, I'm slightly under the weather. But uh, but yeah, it's easy to pick these guys apart. But let's face it, they uh, they do a better job than most. Uh, to me, Mayock is the best at the moment. I prefer him. He's got Josh Allen as his number two. Uh, in terms of quarterbacks, he released his, his rankings, his top five at each position. Josh Allen, ranked number two, despite the number of fans that say that uh, there's no way Josh Allen should be a first-round pick. Now, what, why is this important to Jets fans? Um, again, as, as as I said and as we've all been saying for about 40 years now, the Jets need a quarterback. And uh, the fact of the matter is that, that you know there there have been published reports that say that Josh Allen is a guy who the Jets have scouted um, quite heavily, and that was, you know, supposedly confirmed by somebody at Wyoming who said the Jets had done more work on him than any other team. Uh, but at the same time, there were those fans who lost their minds a little bit about that and said that they, uh, you know, this was this was proof that the Jets were going after the wrong guy. You know, listen, just because they're doing a ton of work on one guy doesn't mean they're not doing a ton of work on other guys. That's just kind of, you know, assuming that you know more than you do. But if Josh Allen falls to six. And the Jets are the Jets are still in that spot if they haven't traded up, and the top guys are gone. You know the the presumed top guys are gone. You know this this was one thing that I did speak with Joe about on the air, is 
can you afford, can Mike McCagnan afford to miss on Josh Allen given the fact that some of his concerns are similar to those of Christian Hackenberg in terms of accuracy? Um, I've heard people say he's Hackenberg part two, which is completely bogus. I mean, Hackenberg has a really good arm, but Josh Allen, I mean, he can just sling it. He's, you know, he he would probably be top four or five in the NFL in arm strength the second he gets drafted. Um, and he moves better than Hackenberg. He's got better mobility. So saying that those two guys are the same is just silly. It's about as it's about as stupid as these people telling me that Neil O'Donnell and, and Kirk Cousins are the same guy. It's it's like, you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know what, what people get in their heads sometimes, but this is what they do. So Josh Allen's another guy, you know, with a lot to prove at the combine. He's going to be a guy who knows that he's being rumored as as a number one guy, as the the, the possible number one overall pick, and. You know, as you know, as we all know, the Cleveland Browns are sitting there with that pick, and a couple of factors with Cleveland that, that make them interesting in terms of which quarterback they go with if they do in fact take a quarterback number one overall. Um, first off, Josh Allen. You know, having just spoken about him, if you look at who they just brought in as their offensive coordinator and Todd Haley, and what he's had to work with in Pittsburgh for the last several years and the success he's had, he's had mobile, although not as mobile as he used to be but a big, mobile, strong-armed quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. And you wonder if he's going to speak up, you know, in terms of whose voice is going to be heard the loudest because the Browns have brought in a lot of people um, to help them with their, you know, with their draft preparation. And um, Scott McLuhan, former GM of the Redskins, uh, who worked with the Seahawks with the 49ers, He's uh, the most, you know, the most interesting aspect of him being brought on board with Cleveland is that uh, he's been out of he's been out of work until the Browns brought him in, but he's still highly respected. So he's been, you know, here, there, and everywhere, kind of giving his opinion on on who's who and what's what. And Scott McLuhan said himself that he thinks the best quarterback in this draft is Baker Mayfield. So his opinion is out there. People know what he thinks. Now again, Cleveland's bringing him in. He's not the GM, but how much weight is it going to carry? How much, you know, how much is he going to be able to influence what direction the Browns go in? So there, there's a situation where you know that a guy assisting a front office with their evaluation process, we know who he likes above all other quarterbacks. And then again, the tie-in with uh, the similarities between Allen and Roethlisberger and uh, – and the fact that they've got an offensive coordinator now who's had that uh, for a while in Pittsburgh and had a great deal of success with it. So just just a couple of, couple things to think about in trying to figure out, you know, how this thing is going to unfold, who's going to go where. And, you know, it's it's all a guessing game. We You know, we don't know. We don't know. You know, the, the Jets are in a spot where they could, of course, try to trade up if they don't get Kirk Cousins in free agency, if they don't get the quarterback they feel like they want. Um, now, if they have – similar enough grades on the quarterbacks that are on the board, if they feel like the difference between the second quarterback or the third quarterback and the fifth quarterback isn't that great, well, that means all they need is for one team in the top five to not go quarterback. There's talk of the Giants. I mean, smokescreen or not, there's there's a lot of talk from a lot of places saying that the Giants are going to be happy to stick with Eli Manning for another year, at least another year. And that they may take a, uh, you know, they may take Saquon Barkley out of Penn State to uh, to line up behind Eli and try to try to get that offense going in the right direction. But I don't think there's anybody who, you know, realistically expects the Giants to not take a quarterback, to not take a Josh Rosen. Um, it, I mean, it really would be a, a monumental blunder, at, at least in my eyes, because if you stick with Eli and you don't take Rosen, and then next year you win six, seven games. Like, when is the next time you're going to be in a position to get a franchise quarterback and to pass on one? Uh, almost sounds too good to be true. I mean, can Dave Gettleman really do that? Because if he did, I don't know a single Jeff fan that would mind. Uh, that would be, you know, that's basically what they would need for one of these quarterbacks to fall to six. But, again, how you know, how much do they like him? How much do they like a Josh Rosen? Uh you know, how much of the Giants like Josh Rosen, how much of the Jets like the guy or guys, you know, who will be available when they do get to six. So just a couple things to think about in terms of players 
who are you going to be watching? We're going to throw we're going to throw around some names now, some interesting prospects, some some guys who are intriguing for one reason or another. Uh, some may be guys that you've thought about, some you know, some may not. But you know, there's no shortage. Of course, you know Mayfield. He's got to he's he's going to have to prove a lot just based on you know teams teams concerns. And you know, obviously he's limited in what he'll be able to do uh, physically. But he's he has had he's also had a couple of off field issues. Um, people try to make the Johnny Manziel comparison. It hasn't been nearly that bad, um, but he still has had some. He's, he's done a few things that are far from the end of the world, but they, they'll bring into question his maturity level. And do you want to hand the keys to your franchise over to a guy who may not quite be ready to to act like an adult? And that's that's a question the teams are going to have to ponder, and that's something that he's going to have to help dispel during his interview process. Um, another guy, player that I personally uh, became aware of a couple months ago or several weeks ago, and right away, I mean, just watching uh, watching this guy play, um, watching his first step, getting in the backfield, getting after the quarterback, and uh, and just and, and being a disruptive force. Uh, small school guy out of the University of Texas, San Antonio, Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport's a guy that. Really, I you know I personally hadn't heard much about um, over the last couple months, and then it just seems the last few weeks, the last month or so, and you know the days leading up to the Senior Bowl, and then after the way he played in the Senior Bowl, people are going to question, of course, the level of competition because he played at you know UTSA. He didn't play he didn't play a lot of big schools, but he did impress in the Senior Bowl. He had, I believe he had a sack, forced fumble, um, and now now he's being mocked as a, a top ten pick. You know, depending on which mock draft you look at, I think Charlie Castro we had him going in the top seven or eight. Um, so Marcus Davenport is going to have to go and you know he, he did what he could do at, at the Senior Bowl. He stood out. He you know I know I heard him getting talked about quite a bit by uh, again Mike Mayock and, and Daniel Jeremiah and those types. And, and he does his, his first step really jumps out at you. They moved him around a lot. They had him playing a little bit inside, a little bit outside. I think he's more of an outside guy. It's probably where he ends up. But really a, a disruptive force, a guy who can be a, a really good player. And, you know, just because these guys play at small schools doesn't mean they can't play with the big boys. So he, he's a guy that it's going to be, you know, it's really going to be worth watching and seeing how his numbers stack up because he's he's got an opportunity to really make himself a make himself a ton of money, you know, a lot of money. Go, again, small school guy who's got an opportunity to go that early. It's going to be interesting. And another guy, another another prospect for me personally that I'm looking forward to watching, Harold Landry out of Boston College. He fell a little bit, at least in the eyes of scouts. You know, we have no idea how, we, how he's viewed in NFL draft rooms. But I remember Harold Landry being talked about like a top ten player um, early in the season. And then he, he, his play fell off a little bit this season, uh, Boston College product. But still a, still a really good player. Um, good frame. You know, he checks in around 6'3", uh, around 245, 250. Teams feel like he can stand up um, or he can play end in, a, you know, whether it's situational, you know, nickel package, that type of thing. And he's a guy who gets into the backfield quite a bit. So he's, he's a guy that, you know, again, these we all know. There's these with quarterback, quarterback, tackle, edge, these guys, if they can play and they can play at a high level, they go early. And, you know, they go in the first round. And that's exactly what uh, what Harold Landry is looking at having an opportunity to do if he can impress. And really, I don't see I don't see why I would. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to open a lot of eyes. And uh, and we'll find out. We'll see if he makes in the first. You know, he's he's a guy that I look at when I see the Jets situation. You think, oh, do they get Kirk Cousins? Do they not get Kirk Cousins? If you're the Jets, you get Kirk Cousins. You can trade down, add add a couple picks. Harold Landry is a guy that I'd, I'd be thrilled if they could get him, you know, mid-late first round because that's a guy that, you know, he could be a difference maker off the edge. And let's face it, that's been just as big a need as quarterback for the Jets for quite some time. You know, we've had a couple players, John Abraham to the world, but that's a long time ago. John Abraham left a long time ago. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see why the Jets wouldn't want a, a prospect at that position if they can still get one by trading down. Um, Another guy, polarizing guy that uh, personally, there's been a lot of talk about over the last few days, and uh, whether it's ESPN or 
or you know uh, um, NFL Network, whether you're just looking through your Twitter or your 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 Facebook and you know all these football groups. But uh, another quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson out of Louisville. Now this guy, I uh, for me personally, you know we, we're hearing all this talk. I think it was was it Gil Brand, somebody like that, one of these uh, one of these old school guys that said Lamar Jackson is a you know he's a wide receiver. He's so explosive. He does so many things with the ball in his hand that you have to make him a wide receiver. And he's and he sh- I think they said he was short. And he's six foot three. I don't, I don't where you get that from. That he's short at six three is beyond me. And why you would say this guy is anything but a quarterback is is crazy to me. I mean, even even if he's a even if he's a you know mid level quarterback with what he can do with his arm. That combined with his legs makes him a dangerous threat. You know, every, people compare this guy to Michael Vick. Michael Vick, I looked this up the other day. I remember the tweet. I don't know why I remembered it, but I searched it, and it came up right away. Michael Vick, two years ago, early in the season, tweeted out, Lamar Jackson is five times better than I was at, at my age, at, at you know, at that point in my career. This guy's a better passer than Mike Vick. Um, and he's got an electric arm. He, he, he's a guy, he, he, can, he can throw a 70-yard bomb. And or he can beat you with a seventy-yard run. He's an exciting player. Um, would I want him on the Jets? Absolutely. I mean, if 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 there's if there's no other option out there, you know, do I want him at six? There's that part of me that says I would. You know, the, the way I look at it, if you want to take a player in the first round, you will want to take a player in the first round. When people say, "Oh, we're reaching," you know, we have the eighth pick, and he's 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 viewed as the twentieth pick. Well, guess what? You don't have the twentieth pick. You have the pick you have. You have the needs you have. And you have to address them accordingly. Um, the only reason I don't like Lamar Jackson at six is because everyone has me convinced that you could get him at the end of round one or early round two. So again, comes the trade down thing. I feel like, well, I'll tell you what, if the Jets traded down and they came away with with Lamar Jackson as their starting quarterback and Harold Landry coming off the edge, I'd be ecstatic. I, w- I would have zero issue with that. Um, I look at Lamar Jackson this way. Are there some questions with him? Yes, there are questions with him, just as there are questions with every quarterback coming out. There, there's nobody in this draft that doesn't have questions, and that's pretty much the case every year. But it's like, do you want that guy on your team? Uh, I'm not sure. Do you want to play against that guy? Hell no. That, that's the light. You have a guy like that on your schedule, and you know that you can – they can just completely – you just completely break down your game plan. You can – you know, you can plan day and night how to slow him down, and the things that a guy like that can do with his feet can completely, <clears throat> excuse me, completely blow it up, and uh, and that's what he brings. Excuse me, but um, so I don't know why I don't know why people are down on him. I don't know why people say that he's uh, you know I I hear people bring in the race thing, which you know I look at it this way: NFL teams just want to win, you know. Uh, I, I, people may forget, but uh, there was a guy years ago. Who did he play for? I want to say it was uh, Arkansas, maybe. Uh, Matt Jones, wide receiver, went to the Jaguars. He was a college quarterback, and the Jaguars looked at him and said, as did a lot of teams. They said, "Well, he's a college quarterback, but look at his height, look at his speed. He ran an insane, you know, sub four four forty, if I'm not mistaken, and he was like six four. So big dude, great speed, and he got moved." You know, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, you know, Heisman Trophy, National Championships, all these records as a quarterback. He, I mean, did he get a shot as a quarterback? Kind of. You know, look at some of those box scores when he's playing with Denver. Um, you know, they were like throwing the ball like nine times a game, doing everything they could to hide him. He was basically a third running back who would, you know, throw the occasional pass to keep defenses honest. But how many times did we hear people say, if Tim Tebow would be willing to play H-back, if Tim Tebow would be willing to play fullback, if Tim Tebow was willing to take a look at tight end, then he might stick in the NFL. So it's not about, you know, the GMs, head coaches, they get paid to win. And it's not as if, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, no, nobody said this about Jameis Winston. Nobody said, hey, Jameis Winston is a running back. Because Jameis Winston doesn't have the tools physically to do that. Because Lamar Jackson does, it's enticing. Um, but I think it's, I think it's foolish to say that's what he should play because he shouldn't. The guy's a quarterback. That's what he should play. And uh, and I think he's, you know, he's got a chance to be a really good one. 
And if the Jets are gonna if the Jets are gonna roll the dice on him, again, I, I can't say I'd have a problem with it. You know, I think they, they'd have an opportunity to you know whatever team really whatever team takes him. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah or Matt Miller. I forget one of the uh, one of the the better known uh, draft Knicks said that basically, you know, Lamar Jackson, no matter who takes him, is going to have the biggest day one impact of any rookie in in this draft. And I could see that. I mean, I, I could see him going somewhere, be, again, because of what he can do with his legs. If it takes him a while to, to settle down as a passer, he's going to be able to make plays with his legs, and he's going to be able to drive defenses crazy. So I have no issue with that, you know, no issue with, with, with you know, with whoever takes him. I think it's foolish to say he's not he's not a quarterback, and it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah today, I believe, who said that, uh, well, he said it the other day, he said he told Lamar Jackson that any team that says they see he was a, Anything other than a quarterback, just uh, shake their hand and tell them you look forward to playing against them. And I agree 100%. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> My apologies. This is why we didn't have a show last night, uh, again, being a little under the weather. So let's talk a little bit of uh, – let's talk a little bit about more – a little bit more about some of these prospects, some of these draft prospects. So we've talked about some quarterbacks. One guy who I haven't heard, I haven't heard his name nearly as much as I expected to. Um, excuse me. Uh, talk about athletic freaks and guys who can do things that people should not be able to do. Um, just physically, just so impressive, uh, and really in a lot of different ways. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Tight end. We listen. We we don't know the situation with Austin Safarian Jenkins. We don't know how long he'll be around. We don't know, you know, whether or not the Jets are going to resign him remains to be seen. I personally, you know, as I've said before, I think that he had a he had a nice uh, a nice run early in the season where it looked like he was going to be uh, a force, made a lot of big plays early on, but disappeared down the stretch. So, not sure if you've had the opportunity to watch him. If you haven't, I, uh, I recommend you take a look at Mike Kosicki, who's a tight end out of Penn State, former volleyball player. Um, and, and the guy plays like it, man. I mean, incredibly long arms, currently projected as a, a second-round guy. He's a guy who could probably help his stock at Indy. He's raw, but his wingspan and, and what that guy is going to bring in the red zone to you know, to whoever drafts him, to be able to line that guy up, he's he's got I forget his height. I want to say he's six four, but uh, he plays like he's about seven and a half feet tall, eight feet tall because some of the grabs you see him make, fully extended, you know, again good 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 leaping ability, and those long arms and just pulling plucking balls down out of the air. He's uh he's one of the more exciting players in the draft. And as much as I wanted to mock him to the Jets. I just feel like there are bigger needs at more critical positions. Um, that, that's not to say I wouldn't be ecstatic if the Jets drafted him, but I just don't feel like he's a, a big enough need at this point. Uh, I think there are other options at tight end maybe later in the draft. But um, speaking of that, let's let, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's let's talk. We just put out the Jet Nation mock draft uh, about an hour or two ago. And, and my thing with the mocks is that people go crazy with them. You see websites and, and, and writers doing, like, literally, like, double-digit mock, like, 11, mock draft 11.0. And it's like, at this point, you have now drafted, you have now mocked every player in the draft to every team in the NFL. Like, at, at what point does it become overkill? And this is part of the reason Joe and I kind of hold back as much as we can before we start draft talk. <clears throat> because the mocks get out of control, the the guessing and the, you know the it, it just gets to be too much. But uh, managed to put together a mock now. Did the same thing last year. I'd like to do one right before the combine. Do one sometime after free agency when the dust has settled a little bit, and then try to do one again in the days leading up to the draft when we have as much information as we're going to get. So starting things off, <clears throat> excuse me. First off, we basically uh, – I think at this point with everything the Jets have going on, it's almost uh, irresponsible to to do a mock draft and not take Kirk Cousins into account. It's too big of a story. It's too big of a possibility. 
what good does it do me to sit down or anybody to sit down and do a mock draft and mock Baker Mayfield to the Jets with the sixth overall pick? Um, because right off the bat, that throws off your entire mock draft. So what we did, we did a couple of first-rounders. We did with Cousins signed, and we did without Cousins signed. I think that's probably the most realistic way to do it because, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to allow you to, to look at what the needs will be if they do make that splash move. We also addressed the fact that, um, keep this in mind with this mock draft, that the, uh, the you know, we know the cap situation, 70, 80, 90, 100 million, whatever it's going to be. There's going to be a ton of money. Um, and there are a lot of guys, a lot of free agents in spots that would fill needs for the Jets. Now, sitting here and trying to guess which players they're going to take would be ridiculous. Nobody knows. Or draft, sign, rather, a free agency. We don't know who they're going to sign, but they're going to address these positions. They're going to get at least one corner in free agency. They have to. They have the money to do it. They're going to get that done. Um, I think they will pursue a center, and because centers aren't huge, huge money guys, I think they'll get one of them because it, I, I think it'll be a little easier to outbid teams there. I think we'll see at least one wide receiver. Uh, again, given the fact that Robbie Anderson and Quincy Nunez futures are both kind of up in the air. And again, quarterback will be addressed. <clears throat> I think it'll be Kirk Cousins. You know, don't rule out. Listen, if Buffalo cuts Tyrod Taylor loose, he could be a guy they pick up. You know, it, it's not just Kirk Cousins. But uh, I know a lot of people would prefer him. But let's uh, let's go ahead and take a look. We basically again the version with and without Cousins, going pick by pick, round by round. Round one. If the Jets do sign Kirk Cousins, if he is a, if they do finally answer their the the this quarterback question that they've had for going on 50 years now with Kirk Cousins in the fold we're saying Bradley Chubb NC State edge guy best pass rusher in the draft some people feel like he may go may go to the Colts at three which is a very good possibility however I also feel as though somebody is going to trade up the the Colts I think the Colts are going to trade that pick now it's funny I'm not going to mock trades with the Jets because I don't you know that's I feel like that's stretching it, <clears throat> trying to predict who they're going to trade with and what they'll get in return. That's that's a whole different ballgame. But I I do believe the Colts. I think somebody is going to knock on their door, somebody who's worried that the Broncos are going to take a player they want. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I think that's where Chubb may fall. Um, if he doesn't fall, if if you know, let's say Chubb goes three, if he goes quarterback, quarterback, Chubb. And then, you know, you've got the Browns if they go Barkley or something like that. And then you get, uh, you know, Denver goes with a quarterback, as a lot of people expect. I think then you're looking at either Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama or Quentin Nelson, the guard out of Notre Dame. It's not sexy because he's a guard, but I'll tell you what, try watching that guy on film and not wanting him on your roster because the guy looks like he's going to be a 100% legitimate badass on the interior of your offensive line for the next 10 to 15 years, and we just saw in the Super Bowl how important it is and how, how much your quarterback can do if you can keep him upright and keep him clean. Quentin Nelson is a huge part of being able to do that. So that's who we go with in round one. If Kirk Cousins is signed, if Kirk Cousins is not signed, if he is still a free agent or if, or if he goes elsewhere, Jets don't land him, then, of course, the Jets will absolutely go quarterback. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and assume that uh, – Scott McLuhan doesn't have enough enough persuasion to to get the Browns to take Baker Mayfield at number one. I think he's sitting there at six, and I think the Jets take him. I think it's Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins. Uh, well, again, as I said earlier, could you know Kirk Cousins obviously will be the main focus, but there will be a new quarterback under center. If if if, if we go into next year and uh, and we're looking at Josh McCown as a starting quarterback. Then I think uh, I think Mike McCagney needs to pack his bags, um, you know. Even even if they go with another quarterback later in the draft, which we'll also talk about as a possibility. But as it stands, Chubb number one if we have Cousins, Mayfield number one if we don't, and then that brings us to pick number thirty-seven, second rounder, another huge need and another really good player, at least in my opinion, LSU cornerback Dante Jackson. This is a guy that, it, oddly enough, you see all these mocks online, and he's I see him mocked anywhere from the third round to the early, you know, to late first to mid late third. <clears throat> That's a pretty big range, but 
elite corners are tough to come by. I think that he's got great closing speed. He's got great anticipation. Comes from a program that's had a ton of success in churning out DBs, as we as we well know. So I think Dante Jackson is the number is the uh, second round pick, 37th overall. That way the Jets will have addressed either edge and or quarterback and corner some of their biggest needs. And now we talk, I talked earlier in the week, or I wrote earlier earlier in the week, I should say, about uh, about James Carpenter and how likely is it that James Carpenter is uh, is cut loose after this season. Uh, or sorry, during this this off season, and I, and I think it's a distinct possibility. James Carpenter struggled mightily last year. I had people tell me it was because Brian Winters and uh, Wesley Johnson were playing terrible, which clearly would not help. And Joe and I even acknowledged that during the season. But as Joe and I also discussed, when you looked at the All 22, there were plenty of times where Wesley Johnson, or not Wesley Johnson, where James Carpenter managed to get to the second level, get his hands on a defender, and just and, and just got beat. Guys were able to shed him and make plays. And he just he just didn't look anything like the player he did his first two years. And there are fans out there who kind of fall in love with a guy when he plays well, which I understand, but they get the sort of lifetime pass for any any poor play after that. And I've I've had several people tell me that I'm crazy to think that James Carpenter had a bad year. Um, he had a terrible year. Um, it's you know if your eyeballs didn't tell you that, and you know Joe and I talk all the time about how pro football focus can be a nice little guide. It's not gospel, but it'll give you a good idea about what type of a level of play a guy was at. They had James Carpenter rated as a 41.1. I think that was 77th among graded guards. He was bad. And I don't think it's – I think we saw more zone from the Jets last year than we did the previous two years, and we're going to see even more of it with Jeremy Bates. Uh, James Carpenter said himself when he came to New York that power man, you know, schemes – were were his forte. That's where he exceeded, or that's where he excelled, and that's you know that's what he was most comfortable with. Well, now they're going away from the thing that he himself has said he's comfortable with. So with that in mind, I think uh, I think the second round pick, number forty nine overall at this point, would make sense if they go with pit tackle Brian O'Neill. I think O'Neill's good enough to play on the inside uh, for a year or two because Kelvin Beecham, as we've said, is a guy you can live with for another season or two. He's not great. But uh, he's not going to get you killed, you know. At least up to this point in his career, he's been a solid tackle. Not again. He he he's paid to be what he is. He's paid as a middle of the road tackle, and he is a middle of the road tackle. He's a good enough player that you can get by with him for another year or two. When that time comes, Brian O'Neill, who plays tackle at Pitt, will then move from guard to tackle, and then you have your tackle hopefully for the next you know seven, eight, nine years. <clears throat> After. That again, remember that is the that is another second round pick for the Jets. That is the second second rounder, just the one they acquired from Seattle in the Sheldon Richardson deal. That'll bring them to round three. Round three, of course, is uh, has has the Jets looking at the seventy second seventy second pick overall. And if you've been following the draft this this season and you're you've been looking at the prospects, you know very well that this is a very, very, very deep running back draft class. Uh, that's part of the reason why I personally, I've had people ask me, you know, should we go with Saquon Barkley at six if he's there? I think he, I think there's a good chance he'll be there. <clears throat> I just personally would rather grab a, you know, again, a quarterback or an edge guy over a running back if I know that I can go in a round three and get a guy like Kerryon Johnson out of Auburn. And that's who I have here um, in this mock, Kerryon Johnson. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's a three-down back. He can take a beating. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, very elusive, great hips. Uh, you know, you, you, you see him run. He's, he can make guys miss. He can make guys look silly. And I think he's a guy that, even, even if he's not there, this is one of those things where I look at it and I say, you know, you're matching need to talent. There are enough talented backs in this class that if it's not on Johnson, you grab, you grab a back with that 72nd pick. I like Eli McGuire a lot. I, he was, you know, he was one of my favorite picks last year. Uh, everyone, you know, well, at least most people, uh, you know, love Bilal Powell. But he's 30. He's only got a couple years left. Matt Forte, in all likelihood, is gone. So you're going to need another back. Let's get a guy who can carry the load and who's got some youth and get on Johnson, who's, who I think is going to be a playmaker. And again, if not, then it's the best. It's the best running back on the board. There's, there's no need to. Uh, 
there's no need to take it back too early, but I, I'd rather not see them wait too long as well and get a guy that you feel really comfortable with as a, a workhorse. Uh, staying on offense, fourth round, round number four, 103 overall. I'm going to say, <coughs> excuse me, and I know I mentioned <clears throat> I know I mentioned the possibility of a wide receiver in free agency, but I think you got to grab one in the draft too. And I, and I want them to draft a big one, a big target who can be effective in the red zone, and that's uh, Marcel Aitman out of Oklahoma State. He's six foot four. He attacks the ball in the air, really good hands, really good red zone target. He's not a burner. He's not going to run a, a 4-4 indie. He'll probably run in the mid-4-5s, you know, low to mid-4-5s. But, uh, you know, plenty of receivers have made a damn good living, you know, Look look at the list of the best 40 times over the last 20 years of the Combine, and most of those guys you wouldn't recognize their names. Uh, just because you can run fast in a straight line doesn't mean you can do what's asked of a, you know, what's asked of a football player, uh, you know, come game day. So Marcel Aitman, not a burner, but 6'4", aggressive hands, you know, aggressive mentality, strong hands, and a good option in the red zone. Really like the, uh, the idea of adding somebody like him, probably move him around a little bit. He's physical enough. They'll be able to make some plays, and you could do a lot worse than him in terms of uh, building some depth on that receiver that receiver spot. And, you know, even if Robbie Anderson and and uh, Quincy Nunn would check out just fine, uh, you know, Jermaine Curse has one year left on his deal. A couple of the other receivers on the roster, you know, the Stewarts and Hanses of the world, still unproven. So I think you go with one guy there. Um, but, again, sticking with offense yet again, in round five at 148 overall, another big school. Um, FSU, Florida uh, tight end, Ryan Izzo. Uh, not not a dynamic guy. Had three, 400 yards receiving last year at FSU, so not great. But a guy that can obviously catch the ball well enough the defense will have to respect it. And he's not afraid to block. He's, he's you know, the Jets need a guy who can do a little bit of both. I've been saying this for years. I understand the trend in the league is just – get these big-bodied, you know, tight ends that are basically monster wide receivers, put them in a slot, you know, put them at H-back, move them around, and, you know, the inline thing isn't as much, it, there's not as much emphasis on that as there was in years past. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, when I see a team that has a guy who can do it, it frustrates the hell out of me. You watch it and say, you know what, the, the, putting this guy in a game isn't a tip-off. You know what I mean? With the Jets, when, when you see Eric Tomlinson come in the game, you know there's a really good chance this is a run play. Um, and the opposite with uh, with ASJ, probably a pass. You know, ASJ is a willing blocker. He's a guy, you know, the effort's there. I think he was a little better this year than he was last year, but that's not saying a whole lot because last year he was he was it was embarrassing, and this year it was uh, slightly less embarrassing. But if he goes, I like the idea of bringing in a guy who can do a little bit of both. You know, I'm not saying he's a I'm not saying he's going to block like a tackle, and I'm not saying he's going to receive like uh, Jimmy Graham. But he can do a little bit of both, and just just give me a guy who can do things well enough to keep keep a defense honest and prevent them from being able to stack the box or, you know, do a better job of anticipating the play. So that's one saying Ryan Izzo out of FSU. Round six, going with a small school guy in this spot, Danny Johnson at a Southern, a corner. Uh, going back to defense here, cornerback Danny Johnson. Uh, Played a little bit outside in school, but he's undersized. I think he's 5'9", uh, from what I've seen, maybe 5'10". Uh, I think his forte is going to be in the slot. I think he's going to—he's he's a guy that over time could could develop into a good slot corner. As much as people refer to Buster Screen as a slot guy, and I get it, that's where he plays, but he's not very good there. He actually does better work on the boundary than he does on the slot. So if you're going to, you know, Buster's got one year left on his deal, I think he actually sticks around. We've talked about this as, as badly as people want him gone, and I fully understand that. I don't know that he will be gone because, let's face it, the guy is uh, the guy's he's got one year left on his deal at seven million, and uh, and the Jets don't have a whole lot of corner. Even if they add one in free agency and draft one, that that's still pretty thin. You know, uh, Justin Burris didn't do enough to establish himself, so I think there's a big enough need there that that alone helps Buster Screen keep his job. So. That's uh, It may not be what people want to hear, but that's kind of the reality of the situation. And Danny Johnson, though, is a guy who could come along this year and uh, and be brought along and, and step into that role next season, hopefully. 
And uh, and he's also a return guy. Jets are weak in the return game. They have been forever. He averaged 23 yards kick return, 15 yards punt return. And I think he had a uh, run back for a touchdown in, in each kick for a touchdown and a punt for a touchdown. So it gives you special – ideally, hopefully, gives you a special teams guy right away and a, and a, a slot corner to develop over time. And then round seven. Uh, you know, bounce around quite a few options here because, you know, it's round seven. You, you know, five, six, seven, these are your developmental guys. These are guys that, you know, tw- 20% chance or whatever it is that they even stick with a roster or stick on a roster. But uh, given the fact that Wesley Johnson is probably on his way out, given the fact that James Carpenter may be on his way out, uh, Brian Winters, you know, at, are you concerned about his durability at some point? I just I think there needs to be, be some more depth there, even though you have a guy like Dakota Dozier who I think will be back. But round seven, I'm going with Cole Madison, Washington State. Uh, not a huge guy, but big enough that he can uh, he can play on the interior in the NFL. Uh, I ha- I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched a ton of him. Watched a few quick highlights, read a couple of quick scouting reports. Um, you come away kind of with the impression that, you know, he needs some work, again, as you would expect with a seventh rounder. But he's got some pretty quick feet for a guy his size and, uh, and could fit well into his own scheme. So... <clears throat> In time, we'll know. You know, we'll see how that goes um, for him. And again, you know, the mock drafts. Some of them border on ridiculous in terms of timing. Some of them border on ridiculous in terms of the picks. I've seen I've seen people mocking, you know, D linemen to the Jets in the first round, like DTs. You know, first round, second round, uh, which is just I mean, if they if they use those premium picks on another interior D lineman who can stuff the run and occupy blockers. I mean, come on, you got to do better than that. Mike Pennell can do that. Deion Simon can do that. Uh, you know, Steve McClendon does a damn good job of that. And uh, so that wraps up our mock. Uh, feel free to criticize it, chip in, chime in, go on Twitter, go on uh, the forums at Jet Nation, take a look, it's, uh, you know, Chip in your two cents, what you think of uh, of the mock itself, and uh, just a few few more notes to touch on before we wrap this thing up. This will be a short show tonight. Uh, just myself again, and uh, not feeling great physically, and uh, having covered some some combine stuff and some draft stuff. Hopefully, a longer show next week if uh, if I'm doing a little bit better, and uh, <clears throat> hopefully Joe along with me. But just a couple of news items. I mentioned Steve McClendon. The Jets, of course, picked up his option along with Josh Martin, uh, outside linebacker, special teams ace Josh Martin, and Steve McClendon picked up their options. $3.5 million, I want to say, McClendon's due to make, and Martin, I believe, is $1.8. I could be wrong about that, somewhere in that neighborhood. But uh, really good move overall. I wrote an article a few days beforehand saying it was a no-brainer. They had to keep those guys around, especially McClendon. Uh, they let Ben Aguilano walk. Not all that much of a surprise. He was due four million. They'll save some money there. He uh, didn't play. He didn't start a game last year. A lot of you know, it, this is one of those things where uh, catch twenty two. You know, the GM can win. Um, they gave Ben Aguilano pretty decent money um, for a backup. But you know what? When you're when you're trying to retain when you're trying to retain an experienced backup who's played left and right tackle, and you just brought in Kelvin Beecham who did have some health issues. The right thing to do was to bring in a guy like Ben Ajelana. Uh If if Kelvin Beecham had gone down at any point during the season, and they had to plug in some developmental, you know, fourth fifth rounder with not a lot of experience, and he got his ass kicked, then everybody would be ripping the GM and the owner and saying this team is so cheap and they weren't prepared and why didn't they have a, a contingency plan for a left tackle because they, you know, they knew Beecham had some injury history. Obviously. Uh, they ended up not needing Ben Ajelana. Now they do have another offseason to address that position. And I think that's what we'll see. You know, with, as I said, with the O'Neill pick somewhere along those lines, I think we'll see a tackle brought in. But Ajelana's out. McClendon and Martin remain. I think that, uh, again, McClendon vastly underrated. Martin, great job on specials. Real, I, I thought he'd have a bigger year this year. I, I, like, his, I like his speed. I, I thought with his speed coming off the edge, he'd get himself seven or eight sacks last year. Uh, the turn they got one and a half. He, uh, he had several, several, he had a couple just, you know, literally swiping right over the quarterback and 
the QB ducking, get around him. So he did have some pressures. He did he did affect some plays in in ways that don't always show up on the box score. But uh, and two really solid guys too. I mean, from, from what I've heard from people in the organization and from what I've seen of them, uh, the way they conduct themselves. Uh, Martin, Columbia guy, very bright, great locker room guy. McClendon, uh, you know, always, you know, seems like every time the Every time there's an ugly performance, he's one of the first guys who want to step up and do an interview and take accountability. So uh, you got to love having guys like that in your locker room. That's a no-brainer, good move, keeping them around. It also makes sense to let Nigelana go. Just isn't, you know, for, for what he was making, what he was bringing, it wasn't worth it. Um, so, again, slow time of year, not a lot of news. Of course, there are, uh, if you're on the Twitter sphere and if you're on Facebook, you're going to see all the rumors about these deals that the Jets are constructing for Kirk Cousins. You know, they're going to give him, you know, a hundred million guarantee. They're going to give him a fully guaranteed contract. They're going to give him 60 million in year one. Um, who the hell knows? People are guessing. They're throwing stuff out there. I, for one, wouldn't mind seeing an insane amount of money given to him in year one and two, knowing that there are no big contracts coming down the pike to have to extend guys. And if you think the Jets have a lot of money this off season, they're already projected next year to have $124 million in cap room, and that is without – that's with Muhammad Wilkerson. Once he's gotten that number, probably jumps a little bit closer to 140 Now, of course, a ton of that will get eaten up in free agency this year um, for, you know, year two of some of these deals, but they, they, there's a good chance the Jets will have another $60, 70000000 in, in money to spend again next year. So I would have no issue with giving Kirk Cousins huge money in year one and two, and then a huge drop-off in pay for years three, four, and five, where he then becomes sort of a middle-of-the-road salary guy, but still only a 33-year-old quarterback in his prime. <clears throat> you know, more than one way to skin a cat, folks. The Jets are going to try to make this happen. They're going to try to get Kirk Cousins in here. There's a lot of fans opposed to it. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? There's a lot of people that eat Tide Pods, too, right? So uh, that's it for this episode. It's a short one, just under an hour. Sorry for the short notice for those of you that uh, would have liked to have listened live. Hopefully we can uh, straighten things out next week. And keep tuning in. Keep up with the draft. Look forward to the combine. And stay active on those forums, JetNation.com. Log in and uh, interact with all the uh, all your fellow Jets fans. And uh, some of them are lunatics. Some of them are some great folks. Get to know them and uh, let your voice be heard. We look forward to tuning in once again next week and uh, hopefully wrapping up what did happen at the Combine and, and who knows, maybe some uh, maybe some trade rumors surface and things like that because if I'm not mistaken look back to last year around this time that's when a few trades went down you know. so uh, so who knows, who knows what, it, what the next couple weeks hold and beyond that, but thanks for tuning in and we look forward to coming to you again next week have a great night, bye bye